Judges chapter 16 tonight. Judges chapter 16. And we are, uh, Lord willing, going to finish up what we started last week. And last week we saw Samson and Delilah, the main characters in this passage of Scripture. And there are some other, there are some other seedy characters here, the lords of the Philistines, these men hiding in the home. And, and, um, but you remember that Samson was known, he was a ladies' man. It's kind of, I guess, in today's terminology, he'd be a playboy, but he, uh, he loved women. He really did. And uh, the problem was he loved the women that he was not supposed to be with at all. And so on top of the love that he had for women, he had a, a lust problem. Um, and so Samson loved this. Uh, he did love Delilah. We see that in the passage here. But Delilah loved something else really besides Samson. That was money. Uh, yeah, she, uh, she was in it for the money. Uh, Samson was her lottery ticket. Samson was the, her golden goose, you could say. You remember, these guys offered her 1,100 pieces of silver each, which would be, in our, our terms, somewhere, they say, around $750,000. Man, uh, I know some women would probably give up their husbands real quick uh, for that kind of money. Uh, sad to say, it shouldn't be, but, but uh, Delilah was not married to him, and Delilah really did not love him as Samson loved her. But we see this unbridled lust and what it led to. Sin always costs. It's never cheap. And uh, the best advice we uh, saw was really from the life of Joseph. When you're in a situation of temptation or, or sin, put some distance between that and yourself. And that's what Joseph did. He ran away from that uh, bad situation. And look, we need to remember this. Satan is not our friend. Satan will not be happy until he destroys every one of us, really. Now, he, can't, he doesn't have that kind of power that kind of, to, to do that on his own because God is keeping him from it. But that's his goal. He wants that to happen. And he wants to destroy, he wants to, at the very least, ruin your life, just as he did Samson's. And so one day we will have to answer for our sins, the things that we do. Be sure, the Bible says, your sins will find you out. Then we also talked about the undeniable deception. I mean, Samson, they, you know, they do say love is blind. <laughs> he was blind to that, something that was undeniably going on right before his eyes. This woman, trying to find out the secret of his strength, and, you know, kept whining and, and just pestering him uh, uh, about this, saying, if you really love me, you know, wow, wow, she'd cry. And uh, so then we see that Samson, not only did he deceive Delilah and kept giving her uh, the wrong answer, but he also deceived himself. He thought, I'm strong. I am fully capable of handling whatever situation that is before me. He left God completely out of it. Folks, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much of the Bible you've got memorized. I don't care uh, how many times you've been baptized. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, on our, in our own strength, and our own abilities, we cannot uh, face a temptation on our own. Only with God's help can we be victorious. And so I want to encourage you. Don't do a sense. Don't deceive yourself. And then also he, um, 
he deceived Delilah, he deceived himself, and then we see Delilah deceive him. And boy, she, uh, sh she was playing him like an old fiddle. She, he was, uh, she had him right. In fact, you saw how he kept giving the answers and he kept getting closer and closer to the truth. And then uh, finally he gives in. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm, I just wanted to give a recap of that. We're going to pick it back up at verse 15. Uh, we're in Judges 16 and verse 15 down through verse 21. Let's go ahead and read that passage anyway. Now, so we're at that point where um, he's going to give her the answer. And he said there in verse 15, or she said unto him, How thou say I love thee when thy, thine heart is not with me? And boy, that's a, uh, a card that was played by uh, the other woman there uh, against Samson. It's a card that's played often by men and women. If you love me, you will do this or that. And so thou hast mocked me, she says, these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. It came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words. Boy, I could just hear that like dripping water, just so annoying. And uh, she urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Man, I don't know why Samson even stayed there if she was that annoying, vexing him unto death. That he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And that's what she's looking for. And she um, made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him uh, to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she uh, began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And this is the sad statement. I even mentioned this this morning. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took, took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Father, once again, we pray for your direction here tonight and your wisdom. Help me, Lord, preach this message and, and to get right to the point so the folks can uh, understand it and apply it and, and uh, you can do the work in our hearts that needs to be done. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now this is the last point in this message. The unbelievable cost. The unbelievable cost uh, that was uh, taking place here in verses 15 through 21. Delilah wore Samson down and he finally tells her the truth. He told her about his hair being a, a symbol of the Nazarite vow before God. Apparently, Samson trusted Delilah. I, I don't, again, how foolish. Now, we can say that looking at this story. What a fool. How could you trust this woman who's been trying to, to uh, trick you all along? Um, but how many times have we deceived ourselves into thinking that the situation was fine, that we had it under control, and or uh, maybe even in a relationship you know i i can i can make this work 
And uh, so anyway, Samson trusted Delilah, and no sooner is he asleep than she sends out for a barber. Get this guy's hair cut. And she began to, it says here, after he got the haircut, she began to afflict him. That phrase means she began to humiliate him. And she began to mistreat him. Now, here's Samson, the strongest man, the judge of Israel. Now, this little woman is, is uh, mistreating him, and he can't even fight back. He has no strength at all, even against her. And uh, so, his, as it says here, his strength went from him. Now, I want you to see the high price of sin in these situ this situation here. First of all, the price of sin for the unbeliever. Oh, there is a, definitely a high price there. In the end, Delilah really didn't lose anything. She was a sinner before the event, and she was a sinner after the event. The real tragedy is what I mentioned this morning. Samson was supposed to be the man of God. And as a Jew, he was supposed to take the light of God's law and, and the grace of God's love and take it to the lost Gentile and show them, point them to a savior, point them to God. And he was supposed to know the God uh, that could save the souls of mankind. He was supposed to be serving that God. And yet here, Samson has put himself in a situation where his testimony is ruined. And because he allowed his passion to govern his life, he destroyed his testimony in front of Delilah, in front of uh, all the others, in that city. But the aftermath of this, this story here is really easy to reconstruct. Delilah, boy, she was living high now. She was enjoying the fruits of her deception. She instantly, that night, became a very wealthy woman. She was set for life. Never have to work, never have to depend upon a man. Uh, she was set. And so, uh, be, because, uh, again, Delilah here, in the end, though, lost everything, and eventually she dies, and when she did, she died in her sin and went to hell. Oh, she was living high on the hog for a while as she was enjoying the fruits of her deception for some time, but there was a payday, and she gained nothing of lasting value while the very thing that was of greatest value in her life, her soul, she neglected, and in the end, she did lose everything. As the Bible tells us in Mark 8, 36, for what shall it profit a man? He should gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Delilah stands here as an example for us, for all, really, for who would uh, put sin ahead of their relationship with God. And that's really what uh, Samson has done here. Now, you... you uh, uh, as a Christian, yeah, we can even enjoy the pleasures of sin for a while. But in the end, there is nothing in front of you but the judgment of God. Uh, in fact, now for the sinner, let, let me back up. We're talking about Delilah. For the unsaved, yes, they say, well, I'm enjoying myself. They really don't know what joy is. They don't know uh, that relationship that we have with God. But nonetheless... They may enjoy it for a time, but what awaits them is the judgment of God is hell, and um, they will eventually lose everything. I don't care what religion they're following. I don't care 
where they are in this world, they, they can deny God, deny there's anything, a uh, heaven or a hell. It doesn't change the truth at all. We know that. And um, they will eventually lose everything. Some people think they can hang on to the items they have in this world, uh, but they cannot. If you're not saved, I, my challenge to you tonight would be to get saved. Hope, uh, your only hope uh, uh, for salvation is, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And um, that's the only thing that can deliver you from the wrath of God. And then we see the price for the believers. Yeah, there's a price. Look, we're saved. We're going to heaven. We know that. Nothing can change that relationship. But the fellowship that you and I have with God, that can definitely change based upon what we do. While Delilah lost very little in her day-to-day -day life uh, because of her, um, in their encounter here, Samson and Delilah, Samson lost everything of value, and he lost it immediately. Uh, notice the, the high price that Samson paid for indulging in his sin. He lost a lot physically. Uh, Samson paid a high physical price for his sin with Delilah. He lost his freedom. There in verse 21, it says they took him, they bound him, the Philistines that is, uh, Samson no longer was a free man. He couldn't go where he wanted to go. Couldn't do what he wanted to do. Remember uh, earlier I said, I want that woman. Well, it don't matter what you want now. You are a prisoner. Lost his freedom. They also, he also lost his vision. Verse 21 says they put out his eyes. They blinded him. Why? To make him easier to control. I'm sure they had, still had some fear. Remember they were very superstitious that maybe his power will come back. And, um, but they put his eyes out. Then he lost his dignity there in verse 21. The first time Samson came to uh, Gaza, it was for the purpose of finding pleasure there in verse 1. This time, he returns as the prisoner of the Philistines. He's taken down to their prison, and it says that uh, he was forced to grind. This was humiliating. This was the job of the slaves or, or of women. I hate to put the women and the slaves in the same category, but that's what the Philistines did. And so it was a very uh, humiliating thing that Samson was forced to do. And all these things are a, a really a good illustration of the power of sin in our lives. Sin binds men by enslaving them to habits they, they uh, can't control on their own, that's hard to break. Sin blinds them even uh, into believing that there's nothing wrong with their sin. That their sin, it's, you know, everybody's doing it. It's not a big deal. I'm not hurting anyone. Whatever. It, they, they, uh, sin blinds them to the reality. Sin also grinds them into powder and uses up their lives until they are just a shell of what they used to be. I was mentioning that this afternoon. Boy, you, you, we've all seen individuals, young people. I was talking to somebody Saturday, uh, somebody I had witnessed too many times, and now... His mind is almost fried on, on drugs. He's just, he just wasted his life. It's sad to see. And he looks, in fact, I don't know his age. I know he's much younger than I am, but he looks older than me. And, um, and that's what sin does. Sin binds, it blinds, it grinds a person's life down to nothing. And sin will wear you out. Sin will waste your life. I'm talking to the believer here. A life that could have been productive, a life that could have been useful in the Lord's hand um, will become nothing more than just a, 
a proverb of the dangers of sin in one's life. Sin will ruin your life. And then he also lost a lot more spiritually. Yeah, he lost a lot physically, but much more spiritually. Um, he had the most expensive haircut in history. Had to be. I was reading this. Um, did you know that the average woman spends over $50,000 on her hair in her lifetime? Uh, did you know that the average woman spends two years of her life washing, styling, and setting her hair? I know some of you women say, well, some men spend a lot of time. Uh, that's true. That, I'm just reading the illustration here. Did you know that the average woman spends 41 minutes per day working on her hair? Did you know that a recent survey found that during the last uh, month, 54% of the women surveyed got madder at their hair than they did at their husbands? Well, that's a good thing, I guess. Gets us off the hook. And then, did you know that Americans, listen to this, Americans spend over $7 billion per year on hair care products. That figure does not include the billions spent by Americans every year having their hair cut, colored, permed, set, and styled. It seems to me that our hair is pretty important to us uh, as Americans. And if our hair is that important to us, think how important Samson's hair should have been to him. Uh, his hair had never been cut. I know that seems really strange to you and I, but this was a vow, a Nazarite vow. He was a Nazarite, and, and that was required, that stipulation there, that Samson could not cut his hair, Numbers chapter 6 and verse 5. Samson's hair, what it really was, was an external symbol of his commitment to God. Uh, when, and that's what was so sad, because he was not living up to what he should have been. He was a Nazareth. Look, how many Christians are not living up to their name? They're, we're a child of God. We, we are um, a born-again believer, but yet how many Christians are not recognized uh, because of the way that they live? And that's kind of where Samson was. And so when Samson, you know, you know, this passage here describes what is easily the most expensive haircut, as I mentioned in history, and uh, as long as Samson's hair uh, was left to grow, it, was, um, it set him apart as a man of God. It, uh, and when his hair was cut, the power of God was gone off of his life. And, and um, when Samson demoted God in his heart, and that's exactly what Samson did, he put Delilah up here, he put God down here. And when that happened, we see that he lost uh, the power of God. Um, and... Notice what that, that haircut really cost him. He uh, lost his fellowship with God. The Lord was departed from him. He didn't even know it when he woke up. Um, I, I don't know how he could go to sleep with Delilah around. Already she's tried to trick him three times and got the, the Philistines. I, man, I'd, I'd be awake all night watching her. In fact, the best thing to do is get away from that kind of woman. But again, he was blinded. He deceived himself. And so, no, now, there was no power in Samson's hair. Now, uh, his hair was the visible symbol of his, his uh, vow or his commitment to the Lord. And so Samson was a Nazarite. And, and uh, uh, again, not, not supposed to cut his hair, according to Numbers chapter 6. All his life, though, Samson had treated these vows that he had made to God 
he kind of treated it just in a flippant way, disregarded them. He had played fast and loose with these vows he had made to God. You remember he touched a dead body, that lion. Uh, he attended a, a wine feast there with the Philistines. In fact, he even walked through that vineyard. That's where he met the lion. He, he wouldn't have even had that problem if he hadn't been where he was not supposed to be. He had no business being there. And when Samson allowed his hair to be cut, he crossed the final line with God. This is it. In that moment, Samson was declaring that Del he loved Delilah more than he loved God. And he was saying that he loved his life of sin more than he loved God. And uh, lo loved it more than he loved being a, a servant of God's. And so Samson's power did not derive or did not come from his hair. It derived or came from his relationship with God. His hair was just a symbolic, uh, uh, symbolic thing of that relationship. When his hair was cut, his fellowship with God was broken. Oh, that's what we lose with sin. Sin breaks our fellowship, not our relationship. That cannot be changed, but our fellowship. The Bible says God left him. And when he did, God took Samson's power, and um, uh, Samson paid a high price for his sin. And I want to just remind us all here tonight, so will we. We will pay a high price if we want power with God in prayer and, and if we want uh, uh, God in our daily lives and power in our daily lives, we must live clean before God. We must live close to God. And uh, we must address our sins. We must put God first. There is no, even in a marriage relationship, the best relationship is the one that puts God first then the spouse, and uh, then others. Then self is usually last uh, in that order. I know it may not make sense to some psychiatrist in our day, uh, but it, it definitely is God's way and the best way, and God knows a whole lot more than any psychiatrist. So, uh, again, we, we must deal with our sin. Uh, there can be no room for sin in the lives of those who want God's power who want to be used of God in a mighty way. If Jesus Christ, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in him, in that relationship that we have with him, it's secure. Remember in John 10, 28, he said, I give unto them eternal life. That relationship cannot change, but our fellowship is very fragile. It's dependent on what we do uh, on a daily basis. So when we want our sins uh, more than we want him, it will cause God to withdraw from us. And really, it's, it's more that we are withdrawing from him. Uh, we are leaving that uh, protective umbrella of God's will. And we are now on our own, so to speak, uh, because we chose to sin rather than obey. Uh, you can't have both. You can't, uh, you can't sin. What it does, it drives a wedge between the believer and God. Well, uh, then he lost his spiritual discernment. Uh, Again, one of the saddest statements uh, in these verses here, I think, are the words, wist not, there in verse 20. When Samson wakes up uh, from his sleep, he did not even know that God had left him. He, sin's grip on his life was so great that he didn't know the power of God had been removed. Samson had gotten so used to working in the power of his flesh that he didn't even know God had left him. 
And um, he assumed that God would, like every other time, come upon him and that he would take care of business, but this time it would not happen. Uh, so sin robbed him of his spiritual discernment. Uh, he he uh, wasn't even aware of where his standing was with God. Uh, he'd gotten so used to living without him, and now he actually was uh, living that way. Uh, and, and that's the result of sin. When, when we sin, we, uh, we lose so much in our, 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 our lives. And uh, uh, just as Samson, it's a, a price that we don't want to pay. We don't sometimes realize it until afterwards. But, and we get used to doing things in our flesh. We get used to doing things without the power of God. And so many times Christians are not even aware that uh, there's no power there at all from God. So he had taken God for granted for so long. Yes, what an expensive haircut Samson had that night. There's nothing sadder than one who claims to know God, thinking they are living in the will of God when God is nowhere around them. And that's a sad commentary here. And it's a tragedy, but such is the results of a Christian who succumbs or gives in to sin. Now, how tragic it is when people allow sin uh, to literally strip them from all things that really matter the most in, in one's life. Uh, they are merely going, you know, as a Christian then, they are just going through the motions. They, are, uh, they don't have God's power on them. And that's why so many, they, they call it burnout, uh, because they're on their own. They're trying to perform. They're just going through the motions. And without his presence, without God's power, anything that you and I do is in vain. It's a waste of time. So my question is, how, how could Samson not know this? And so sin has a way of blinding us to the truth of our condition. We have a way of, again, deceiving ourselves, trying to justify our actions and our behavior. And sin will make you think you are right, but everyone else is wrong, including God. And boy, we, I, I've seen individuals like that who refuse to acknowledge the truth of their sin. And, and they, they didn't care. What, I know what the Bible says, but oh, that's a dangerous place to be. Sin will cause you to believe that you are always right regardless of what you do, regardless of who you hurt. Well, then we see uh, sin is definitely a deceiver. Uh, you know, I, I would say that a lot of Christians in our world today have very little spiritual discernment. Uh, they cannot recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in the uh, service or working in their heart because um, they are so caught up or entangled in the, this world. And so they... They don't even know how to respond appropriately when the Holy Spirit does uh, come to work in one's heart. And so because of sin, most people don't know if, if a sermon is from God, if it's a good sermon, or bad, or sound, or unsound, true, or false. We lose our spiritual discernment. And uh, I, I believe sin is really killing us. Um, and destroying our ability to recognize God, recognize his presence, his power, uh, just as it was in the case of Samson here. 
So what is the answer? Well, repent. That's what we need to do. What was Samson, the answer for Samson? If he had only got to the place where he had repented. By the way, we'll see later on. I probably will have a couple more messages out of this, uh, this judge here, this last judge we're looking at. But another thing he lost, he lost his ministry. What a sad, sad uh, uh, thing here. Because of his sin, the Lord put Samson on the shelf. The Lord wasn't going to be able to use Samson. He was removed as the judge of Israel. He was no longer a vessel that God could use. His ministry was over. And that could happen to any of us. Let's not fool ourselves. That's what the Apostle Paul was afraid of that. Listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself might be a castaway. I might be put on the shelf and uh, not be able to be used by God. And that word castaway refers to, uh, it means unfit, reprobate, not standing the test. And so, in fact, it was used, it was interesting, I read this, it was used of coins that were tested and not found to be struck from real gold. In other words, they were worthless. And that, that's what Paul was afraid of. I don't want to get to the place where I'm worthless, where I can't be used of God where I'm put on the shelf. And again, he's not speaking of salvation here. He's just speaking of his service to the Lord. Um, Paul's fear was that he would become uh, like those coins, worthless to the Lord. So Paul took the, uh, the, the steps that were necessary to, to uh, uh, be what he should be, to overcome the flesh. The phrase keep under means to beat black and blue. I mean, he, it was a fighting term here. Paul was keeping under his, uh, uh, my body, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. And then the word subjection means to enslave. And so Paul took the initiative. He mastered the flesh instead of allowing the flesh to master him. And Paul's fear should be our fear as well. If the apostle Paul had that fear, one of the greatest Christians that ever walked in this earth, you and I, friend, we we should also have that fear and be aware that uh, it is very possible for any of us to uh, uh, fall into that trap. And then he lost something else. He lost his testimony. I mentioned this already. Uh, the mighty judge of Israel, the strong man, uh, now is taken to uh, prison by the Philistines and humiliated and forced to uh, grind as a slave would. He was made to do the work of the lowest kind of slave. In other words, he was humiliated before the Philistines. Samson was used to humiliating the Philistines, but um, now the shoe was on the other foot. Uh, did you ever think about this? When Samson was uh, humiliated, God was humiliated right alongside him. Uh, when they laughed at Samson there in verses 23 and 24, look at that, the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice, for they said, our God hath delivered Samson. Look at, they're laughing not only at Samson, but they're laughing at God and thinking their God is greater. And so they mocked him. And a, a victory over Samson was considered to be a victory over God. And uh, so listen, folks, we, when we fail in the flesh, when the, 
with the traps of the devil ensnare us, when we fall into sin, we bring reproach on the name of the Lord. There, there goes our testimony. What good is our word if we're not doing what we're preaching? We're not living what we're preaching. And so when a child of God sins, it always harms the cause of Christ. And let's not forget that tonight. God is so closely identified with his people that our shame uh, in the eyes of the world and the devil translate into his shame as well. Uh, there's a lot of scripture. I'll just read a few of these verses. 2 Samuel 12, 14. How be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And then how, and 1 Peter 4, uh, 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God re rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of but on your part he is glorified. And then, then Titus 2, 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And so in other words, our sin it brings reproach upon the name of the Lord. How many churches are at each other's throats? That brings reproach upon God. Look, we can have different, and we will have differences, obviously, but there ought not be anything in this world that you and I cannot overcome as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And uh, the devil wants us to, wants to drive a wedge between us, wants to drive division in us, but our love for one another is a great testimony of the love of God in this world. So the lesson from this ought to be crystal clear. What you and I do matters. What we do reflects back on our Father, our Heavenly Father, our God, just as it does in this world. Look, when I, I remember I, I, that I learned very young that um, my name meant something, that, that uh, uh, what I did would reflect upon my Father. And I, I saw it in my older brothers. And so it brought shame to the family, some behavior and things they did. And uh, so I didn't want that to happen. I strove not to do that. But um, look, as a Christian, when you and I, when we, what we do can bring reproach upon our Heavenly Father. And let's not allow that to happen. Uh, let's resolve that we will do nothing to, uh, to, to be an, cause an evil reflection to be uh, brought upon the glory of God. God deserves your best, my best. And so let's give it to him. There's nothing more shameful, nothing more harmful uh, to the cause of Christ than a testimony that's been damaged. And so when we allow sin to rule in, in our bodies, it is always going to tarnish our testimony. So let me wrap this all up here tonight. What are we doing? Uh, what are we to do with this story here, this sad, tragic story? We're going to get to the point at the very end here, what really happened. You know the story, but... We are to take these things to heart, as Solomon wrote. We, we must come before God. We must deal with our sins, deal with the temptations. We must get honest about weaknesses that we have, and we must realize that God alone is our strength. Now, if we're to stand up against the world, uh, we, must, we must have God's help. We can't do it alone. 
Listen to John, John 15, 5, where Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And he said, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And this is the phrase I want you to focus on. I know you know it already. For without me, ye can do what? Nothing. Nothing. And so without his help, we're not going to be able to be the Christian that we ought to be. We're not going to be able to have the testimony that we should have, not without his help. If we have already committed sin, the good news is, Christian, God will forgive. God will restore. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive. If we are struggling against sin, God will help us to achieve victory over sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not spur you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So how will your story be written, Christian? We see Samson's life here, sad story. The time to change the ending of our story is now. We can't do it once we die. We can't do it once we've messed up royally where it affects our testimony, our church, our family. The time to deal with sin is now. The time to come to Jesus Christ if a person is lost, if you're here tonight and lost, the time to come to Jesus is now, not tomorrow. The time to make a break with your, your Delilah is now. Do what God wants you to do. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.